Okay. Uh, well, I'm, just, I'm not going to say anything after that. Let's just all go eat pizza. That was. <laughs> that was. Uh, thank you very much, Steve. That that was that means a lot coming from from you and from you guys as a congregation. That that does mean a lot. Um, let's just let's pray to get started, and and then we'll get going. Uh, Lord God, I, I just uh, just pray and to you, and just just want to lift you up right now, and pray that. Uh, that you'll send your spirit, that you will be here, that you'll be with us, that you'll be in, in these words, and uh, just that you'll be glorified um, somehow, that, that we will glorify you, Lord. And that's mysterious to me, it's strange, but, uh, but you, you allow it to happen, and uh, you do so through, through your son Jesus. And I just, just pray in his name. Amen. So, uh, wow, that got loud, didn't it? Good. You sure? It's all right? Okay. All right. So uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I in, in in this this was really good timing for me to do this because I, I sprained my ankle last weekend and had a just a rough week. A lot of weird things went on as part of the the sprained ankle and not part of the sprained ankle. And anyway, so this was good. It was kind of what I tend to do when things go a little rough when I have a hard time. I internalize. I isolate. I don't share a lot. Well, with not being able to do a lot myself, I had to. I had to share. I had to get outside of myself. And then also I had to spend time meditating on this sermon. Didn't spend as much time writing as I did meditating, so I don't know if I'll be able to get my meditations out extremely well, but they're there. And it was really good, really cathartic for me. So it was really good timing for me. Um, and I, I thought I'd talk about money, a little bit about money. It's not, this whole thing isn't going to be about money. Money, I think, is one of the more controversial things that churches try to deal with. And it's mentioned a lot in the Bible, but it's kind of nuanced. And money itself is nuanced. I mean, how do you define money? It's not just cash. I'm not allowed to carry any cash in my wallet, so I can't take any out as a, like a Kristen doesn't let me leave the house with cash. So I'm not allowed to take any out and have like an object lesson. But anyway, I'm totally joking about that. Um, if you didn't know, uh, but it's very—it's—it's it's nuanced in that it doesn't just exist in this like concrete, tangible form of cash. It's—it's it's, exists like electronically now, where it's transferred over like wire transfers. Even though it doesn't even need wires anymore because it can be done mobily and can go wirelessly. You can transfer money wirelessly. Are those wireless transfers? I—I I don't know. But it's money is just so nuanced. Even stealing money has become nuanced in that people don't steal money directly from you anymore. They steal your identity so that they can steal credit, which is future money that you might be able to borrow from an institution. So it's, it's even nuanced in that way. It's just this crazy money is not tangible anymore. It's more of a concept. It's like an idea. It's not concrete. And... and Interestingly, the Bible actually kind of deals with it in this way as well as like a non-concrete, a, a kind of a nuanced, not uh, tangible object. It kind of deals with it as a, as a concept. So it's really interesting because it seems like money has evolved into what it is. But then if you think back, and we're going to, this could go on forever, if you, but if you think back, money has always been kind of nuanced. People always have been able to to purchase things and do things on credit. You know, I'll pay you later. 
for because I need to plant my crops today and I need money, I need the seeds, but I'm not going to have money until I can sell my crops. So it's, it's just, this has existed, you know, and, and bartering and all of this, it's all existed in a very nuanced way since the beginning, really, of kind of, of, of histories that, that we know of money. It's, it's existed in this nuanced way. So maybe it's not so new that it's nuanced. It might be old nuance. But anyway. Um, so, so money so they say, is the root of all evil today. And we can thank Mr. Pink Floyd for that quote. Does, do we know that quote, everybody? Pink Floyd, it's Roger Waters that actually wrote it. But anyway, he stole that from the Bible, if you didn't know. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, Mr. Floyd got it a little bit wrong when he said that money is the root of all evil today. That's, it's, he kind of paraphrased it a little bit. Money is a root of evil. And it's not everyone that has this, this proclivity. It's some people being eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So it's kind of a generalization. But if you think about rich people that you know, and maybe if you don't know many rich people, we can talk about some, some people that you don't know. If, if you think about them, you, you might be able to kind of, you know, get an idea of, of, of what this verse is talking about. An old buddy of mine once said that a jerk doesn't stop being a jerk just because they're rich. And kind of to illustrate this, Aaron Burgess, who Steve talked about, and I were walking around on St. Armand's Circle. And if you don't know what that is, it's a very fashionable shopping area near Sarasota, Florida. And Aaron and I, being the very fashionable guys that we are, were walking around this shopping area. And we were crossing the street in the crosswalk, like legally crossing the street, and a guy pulls up in this bright yellow Ferrari. And he just like slams on his brakes like feet away from us and starts revving his engine really loud. And that thought came to my mind. Like a rich jerk is still a jerk, right? It's like money doesn't stop someone from being a jerk. And people get like conceited when they have a lot of money. And we've, we've seen this. So you, you, you've heard of Johnny Manziel, right? He used to be called Johnny Football when he was in college because he was seemed to be just energized by football. He was all about football. He was, this, he was really good. He had a talent for it, and it seemed that that made him happy. Well, now, what's he called? He's not called Johnny Football anymore. He's called Money Manziel. He has become kind of the jerk that he always was, but he can be more so because he's got money. And he actually always had money. He came from a very wealthy family. So he, maybe he's always been this, this money jerk guy that he is now. Dylan probably thinks he's more of a jerk than the rest of us, being a Browns fan. Anyway, then, then there's a, a, a more serious case. Have you guys heard of Ethan Couch? Does anyone know who Ethan Couch is? The influenza teen. Affluenza. Influenza would be the flu. No, you're right. Affluenza. I even write it, wrote it down here as affluenza. I need to actually look at my notes. He's the affluenza teen. 
And if, if, you, if that doesn't trigger who this guy is, he's the, the kid who was raised in a wealthy family, maybe not wealthy, but, but well-to-do, a rich family. And he was out one night drinking and driving and ended up killing four people and seriously injuring another couple people. Uh, and the defense, 18-year-old, I think he was 17, actually, when, when the, when the uh, accident happened. He, uh, his defense was that being affluent, he never had to pay for his actions. He, he was always sheltered from his actions. So, you know, he can't be held accountable for this because he didn't know any better, was kind of the defense. And it flew. He got, like, 10 years probation. But then... He, he still doesn't learn his lesson. He goes out to a party, and there's alcohol, which this violates his probation. Well, instead of then paying the price, he and his mom flee to Mexico so that he doesn't have to go to jail. I mean, just crazy. It, and it kind of lends itself to that argument that, you know, the affluenza, like his mom enabled him. She took him to Mexico. So just, just crazy. But again emphasizes kind of that, you know, a jerk is still a jerk. Money does not cure people of their jerkiness. In fact, it, in many cases, in most cases, amplifies, brings out the jerkiness. Even though, I mean, Steve said great things about me, and, you know, I wouldn't probably be characterized as a jerk based on those things. I think if I had a lot of money, I would be a jerk. <laughs> it would bring out those jerky characteristics that are latent in me. <laughs> I would not be a latent jerk anymore. I would be an actual jerk. So it's the love of money that is kind of seems to be, at least for these people and, and for a lot of other people, and, and as the Bible says, a root of this evil, of this jerkiness. So what would be the prescription for us who don't want to be caught in this? And in reality, we are, all of us, even the least wealthy of us in this room, are by the world's standards affluent. We are doing well. So how can we not be jerky in our affluence? How, how can we not fall into this trap? Well, let's start with Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And, uh, all right, Steve gave me the, that's okay to go there, yeah. sign, so we're going to do it. So, uh, yeah, there's blue Bibles. I have no idea what page it's on. I didn't look it up before, so if someone gets there. 772. Kelly is holier than everyone else because she found it faster. So, bam. 772 is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And I'll go ahead and read because I'm going to do all the talking today. Um, and Well, during church. Afterwards, I won't. So starting in 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the, the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we've gone over this verse, and we keep seeming to come back to it in, in our men's Bible study um, as we're going through Acts. And we always, everything seems to kind of come back to this passage for us. And we, we discussed it a lot last week as well. Was it last week or two weeks ago? I guess it was last week, yeah. 
right before we did this. That's right. So it was last week. Anyway, and, and this, this, uh, this, this kind of goes around like this, this fellowship that existed in the first, court, first church, right at the beginning here of the first church. And the word fellowship is a transition of the Greek word koinonia. And if that word sounds familiar, Steve, I'm sure you've used it in sermons before, probably. Really? Yeah, I don't. It sounded so familiar to me when I was going through it, so. Huh? Maybe that was it, quinoa. Because <laughs> we had quinoa noodles last night. Maybe that's what it is. Have you come across it, Will? And so this koinonia, it's any Bible college student probably that has any Greek-ish studying has come across it. It's, it's a very Christian word. It, its meaning is to share common community, to, to share, in, especially in, uh, with fellow Christians. It's a Christian community, a Christian sharing in common. And it also refers to a joint gift, not a joint gift, but a gift that we all join together in giving. So it's not just like giving to the community, it's giving as a community. So it's, it's, it, we tried to make joint gifts legal here in Ohio, but it didn't pass. But, but this kind of joint giving is absolutely legal, and it's, pre, it's prescribed. This is, like, it, it's like if I have extra, and I give to someone who does not, instead of it being like I'm giving, it's like we are giving. And the, the, the kind of the, the, the concept behind it is that if I give, then I have a little bit less. And there's more of a chance that I'm going to need then. Well, then you guys are there to, to provide my needs. So then it, it's that we never run out because we as a community are constantly giving. We're constantly giving to each other. We're there for each other. We're providing for each other. And uh, it, that, to me, is just just amazing. That's that's just it's so it's just so comforting. It's so uh, it just gives me just this this fallback that I don't have otherwise. Um, I have all of you to fall back on. It's not just me because if that were the case, it would be horrible. I'd be a mess. But I have all of you that I can fall back on. And this week again was an amazing lesson to me in that. Mostly Kristen, Kristen, because she was there with me, helping me, getting me, you know, water, getting everything I needed pretty much while I was laying on the couch with my foot propped up. And, I mean, Steve's right. She is the best thing that's happened to me and that I've been able to do here for the church is bring her here to add to this community. That's, and so this, this lesson exists in, in many, many nuanced ways, some, so much like money does. Another way that we can accomplish this and, and kind of divert in, in our, our resources into this community is through tithing. Now, I, I don't like the word tithe. And the more and more I read this and got into this, the less and less I liked the word tithe. Because it gives like this monetary, this, this prescription, this 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 hard and fast rule to what we're supposed to give. And, I mean, we don't like rules, do we? So let's break free of that a little bit. Instead of tithe, we're going to go with offering. But in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and it's not referred to as much in the New Testament, it's at least not by tithe. 
Um, but in the Bible, it does speak to the tithe, which is a tenth, a tenth of your income, a tenth of, and, and biblically, it's a tenth of, like, your crops, a tenth of your livestock. Uh, Leviticus actually says the tenth of your flock or your herd that passes under the rod, the tenth one is God's. You give it to God. So you actually give one-tenth of your stuff to God. And the verse that's used most often when preaching about tithing is probably Malachi 3.10, which says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And this is the part that preachers like to, to focus on, is when it says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And preachers like to focus on this because they like to say, hey, bring your, your 10 cents on the dollar, drop it in the box or put it in the plate, and God's going to hook you up. And that'll then encourage people. People will be like, yeah, I want to get these blessings. I want God to open up these floodgates on me, so I'm going to give my 10 cents, and I'm going to get hooked up on the backside. But we're not a prosperity gospel kind of church, and this passage has been used in that sense for a long time. And there's a trap there because this isn't like an investment. This isn't like give your dollar and you're going to earn 10% interest on it and then get it back on the back end with that added interest. That's not what this is about. And there's a trap there in this. Um, and the, there's another trap as well beyond that. There's, there's a trap of thinking that, and, and I've heard Preachers preach this as well, that if we give now and if we do good works now, even though that isn't a condition of our salvation, that's how we get a bigger house in heaven. And again, there's a trap in that, in that if we get caught up in that, we're doing it for the reward instead of doing it for the fact that we want to because it's a way to help our community. It's a way to, to give to our community. Yeah, Jesus spoke to... Uh, to this, to this trap when he, in Matthew 23, verse 23, said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So the subject of this verse, these, these teachers, law, teachers of the law, Pharisees, these, these guys, were missing the point. They were giving what was easy for them to give. So think about it. They're giving spices, right? You give spices to someone who doesn't have anything to spice, what good are those spices? It's like in the middle of winter, someone's naked and you give them tassels, you know, to have, that, that are like decorations for their clothing. You know, they need a coat. They need clothes. They don't need tassels. Rob's laughing. I know where you're going, man. I know exactly where you're going. Anyway, that's what these spices are like. It's like someone doesn't have any food, but you're giving them spices to add to their food. What, what sense does that make? And this is what Jesus is saying. You're, you're neglecting what these people really need. What they need is, you know, like poor people, they need the food. They need, they need the clothing. They need you as teachers of the law to actually guide them instead of worrying about your own money, what you're taking in, and saying, okay, well, I'll give a tenth of my spices. Now, also, don't get this wrong. Spices back in the day were extremely valuable. They were, you know, it wasn't like going to Kroger's and buying Lowry's season salt. It, this, they, 
spices were extremely valuable. They were rare, and therefore, and, and you know, they made food taste good and preserved food as well. So therefore, they were very valuable. So when the Pharisees and teachers of the law were giving these spices and people would see that, it'd be like, wow, they're giving something very valuable. But in practice, it's not all that valuable. It's just focusing, and they're just, just garnering attention. They're just getting this, this conceit and, and this self-valuation that comes from money and the root of evil. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 9, verse 7 also says that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if you read this entire passage, it could also lend to this whole prosperity gospel idea because when, when the context of it actually says that, uh, that the one who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, but the one who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. And it, it goes through and says lots of things like that, that uh, the more you give, the more you get in return. And so this could be taken easily and, and lead into this whole prosperity idea. However, we can kind of turn that on its ear as well and say that the giving, because of this passage, the giving with a cheerful heart, what it does, the blessing that, that we receive from it is not necessarily more money. It's not more material possessions. It's not more things. It's that we're investing, not looking for an interest payment on the back end, but we're investing into a community, into each other. We're blessing each other. And the, the blessing that comes from that is this, this community, this real, true security that exists beyond the false security that money and possessions and all of these things seem to provide, but in reality don't provide at all. So where, where, where can we go with this? What, what, what is kind of the, the end takeaway from this? I think it's that when we, when we have money, and money being this nuanced thing that we're not really grasping, it can be so many different objects, it can be so many different things, that when we when we grab onto this, we're kind of we're kind of doing uh, we're, we're going back to like a base instinct, and the base instinct for for animals, for people, for any living thing is preservation of self. We're focusing on ourselves. Our focus is us. Our focus is preserving us. Get all this stuff. Get all these things so that I can be secure. So that I can be okay. I'm preserving me. And then we might even take that beyond ourselves to our family. And that goes into another base instinct, which is preservation of species. We're going to preserve our family. We're going to hoard this stuff ourselves so that we're okay, so that our family's okay, and that's it. But in reality, that security is so false because if we invest in this community of believers, and I'm not just talking about monetarily, not just through tithe, not just through the offering box, but our time, our love, our support of each other, just being there for each other, then we're in reality, we're, we are providing more security even for ourselves because like I said, then when we need it, it's there for us because we've invested in this community. So this whole idea of, of money is really kind of turned upside down. Money then is not 
something that, that we earn to keep or to even invest in retirement accounts or anything like that. It's something that we get in order to invest in each other. Money becomes more than a dollar, more than some government-funded treasury or supported bond or, or anything like that. Money becomes just this, just hanging out with each other, just being with each other. And that's, to me, where I want to invest my money. That's where I want to invest my time. That's where I want to be. I want to be with you guys. And uh, I think that that is money wisely spent. I hope you agree. So let's pray. Lord God, uh, just thank you. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for just, uh, just wow, I mean, our, our blessings are so, so rich, so overwhelming. Um, even like, like I said earlier, even the, the, the most, even the poorest of us, the, one of us, the ones of us that have the least are still so richly blessed, Lord. And I just thank you. I thank you for this community of believers, for these people that are willing to share their lives, to share their blessings with me. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that all of us will be more willing to share with each other. And Lord, that as, uh, as that becomes something that we, that we do among ourselves, that, that people will see that and will want to be part of that. And Lord, that we won't just hoard those blessings among ourselves, but also reach out and bring other people in so that they can take part in these blessings, so that they can uh, experience you and all this wonderful, all these amazing blessings that you have for them. Lord, uh, just pray that, uh, that your kingdom will be advanced here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.